Hello and welcome to the Honor Yoga Triple Cast podcast. I am Julie Melk, the Director of Programs at Honor Yoga. And today I have with me Gina Serbone, who is a lead teacher trainer of teacher trainings at Honor Yoga. She's also been a longtime teacher, both in studio and live stream of all the different kinds of styles at Honor Yoga. I think Gina can pretty much teach every style. <laughs> it's such a pleasure. And additionally, Gina is a class style lead for Honor Yoga, which means that she oversees the style of flow for Honor Yoga and therefore provides mentorship and guidance to all the flow yogis and yoga teachers within the system. I'm really excited to have you here today, Gina. I'm going to talk a little bit more about your bio and where you came from, but we'll dive into that in just a moment. I want to say welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and to be asked to do this. So I'm ready to answer questions. <laughs> okay. <have> our conversation. <laughs> Good. So Dina, you began practicing yoga about 11 years ago, and I'm going to rewind to that point in your life in just a moment. But for everyone, Gina has been practicing since about 2010 and really mostly with a vinyasa practice, I think at that point, vinyasa meaning connecting movement to breath in a fluid type of transition, not holding poses for a super long period of time. And Gina describes that as more like a moving meditation for her but also coupled with some seated meditation, which I want to talk about that practice with you too. Just to let everyone know, Gina is immensely talented, as I mentioned, besides teaching all different kinds of styles of yoga. She also holds a Bachelor's of Arts in Fine Art, and she has completed her Master's in Applied Clinical Nutrition. So Gina operates her own business, called Spoonful of Ohm, where she really tackles some individual counseling, looking at nutrition and yoga, essential oil use, and probably just a holistic approach and alternative or what are called alternative modalities, right? Not necessarily mainstream modalities for maybe, um, I guess, Gina, alleviating things and also preventative, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Awesome. So Gina, Tell us about your first yoga experience. I actually started yoga back in 2003 or four, and it was my mom who got me into going to yoga class because I was a dancer. I was a ballerina. So I had a lot of dance classes. I had a lot of school work. I was always like straight A student. And my mom's like, do yoga for something to calm down and like just find some peace within all the chaos. And so I actually started way long ago. And so my mom took me to my first class because I didn't have a car back then. I was too young and I didn't have a license. So she took me to my first class. I enjoyed it. It was very different than I think some of the classes, how they are now. It was a very small studio. It was very dark. There wasn't a lot of people in the studio. 
I felt like I had a great experience to start with. So I would go to those classes here and there. It wasn't a consistent practice. So that's why I don't say that's when I started practicing yoga, but that was my first experience. And I truly loved it, but I didn't stick to it because I had so many other things going on. It was actually after college when I came back to yoga, it was my mom again (laughs) who said to me, you have to go back to yoga. You have to come with me to this class. I know a lady in Blairstown and it's at this little place. It was kind of like this holistic style gym. And then there was yoga teaching by this one uh, teacher, Delia Quigley. And she's like, you have to come. And so I was like, no, no. I kept saying no to her like every time. And then finally, maybe the fifth time she asked me, I was like, okay, fine. I'll go so that you stop asking me. And then, so I continued from then on, she stopped doing yoga, but I continued doing yoga. And with that teacher, it led up to teacher training. It led up to nutrition. It led up to like really where I am today. So all because of my mom. (laughs) (laughs) It's so interesting for me because I'm a mom and I refuse to push, but he's six years old. So maybe (laughs) that's part of it. I want to go back to you. I'm envisioning Gina as a small person going to this first class in 2003 or four. Mm -hmm. And you said, and I loved it. Mm -hmm. What was the feeling that came over? Like, why did you love it? What made you say that? I don't know that I knew back then, but I feel like I connected more spiritually. Growing up, I always went to a Catholic church. It was church every Sunday, that type of thing. Family made you go. You just had to go along and do all the Sunday school and all that stuff. So I have that type of religious background, not necessarily by choice when I was younger, but just to show me a way, right? And I think that's important too. So I went, when I went to class, I just felt more of a spiritual connection in a different way that maybe I was more in control of that I could feel rather than, not that I was forced to do anything, but that you're you know, met you, you have to go to church every week. You have to do this, but you can find that spirituality um, and that connection, at least for me with God in a different way. So when you say spirituality and yoga, what does that mean to you? I feel like you can find it anywhere. It doesn't have to be an institution or with a group or in a specific place or at a specific time, or because there's a service going on, I feel like spirituality can be in nature. It could be in meditation. It can be in your moving meditation. It could be doing yoga. And that's how I feel. I believe that yoga is a spiritual practice above anything else. I think a lot of people might see it as an exercise. I think that comes with it. It's a benefit. It's an added benefit, but that's not the point for me. Yeah. So let's talk about your practice because I feel like that's where it leads us to now. I feel as the student of yoga, I've always looked to my teachers and imagined maybe three hours of practice a day and (laughs) always an hour of meditation, probably never forget it, you know, like that sort of thing. You know, we put, for me, I put them on this pedestal of whatever I thought this ideal yoga practice was. Share with us from you being this teacher, a longtime teacher now, what does your practice look like? So before I was a teacher, and I know it always changes, and I always tell my students, like, once you go into teacher training, though it's a great thing, your practice is going to totally change. 
and it changes, I think for a specific reason, because you're always in that mode of like teaching and like, oh, that's a good sequence or this is great or whatever, but also because you're teaching where you might be teaching a lot, right? So before I started teacher training, my practice was really consistent. It was like four or five days a week. It was just for me because it, it was my practice. Once I became a teacher, I felt like it changed because it wasn't my practice when I was teaching. And that's what my teacher always taught me. Whether you have to teach on your mat, like we do now because of online live streaming. Otherwise, we weren't really on the mat doing the practice because this is not your practice. This is your student's practice and you're here to guide them and lead them. And so you're not going to try to get your own practice out of it. So that's what I was always taught. And so when I started going back to like the beginning, I feel like I almost fell off of being in that consistent practice where I couldn't find my own time because I was teaching so much or I was teaching more and they were in the places of the times that I would usually take class and do my own practice. Right. So I couldn't find that balance. It was actually pretty recently, maybe five years back that I was like, I need to find like my own practice again. Like it didn't, I would do it here and there and pop into a class here and there, but it wasn't consistent. Like it was before I started teaching. And so part of it was doing a meditation practice. And I feel like it doesn't have to be that 30 minutes, that hour, that whatever you think a meditation needs to be, or however long you think it could be five minutes. And sometimes I would sit up, like I would wake up in the morning, I would sit up in bed and I would set a timer that had like a nice ring to it and put five minutes on the timer. And that would be my meditation practice because I was going to school, like you had mentioned in the beginning. So I had a full-time job. I was teaching about eight classes a week. And how could I find this time to also practice or do my meditation or so anyway, that's how I kind of wiggled some time in, in the morning. And sometimes I'd also do it at night. And so that was for a while then. And then obviously we were in this situation just two years. I can't believe it's been two years, but two years ago, and we were all home. A lot of us needed to be home. And so my practice changed again, because in the beginning i was kind of maneuvering just like everyone else. And then at one time I was teaching 25 classes a week, which is oh kind gosh. of ridiculous. And I was doing all of them and my classes aren't always easy. I was glad for the gentle classes <laughs> I had. And some of the like more chill classes, they were a lifesaver for the 25 classes I taught. And then I didn't find time to practice again. Cause I, Frankly, I didn't really want to do more yoga when I was done teaching all my classes. So then I went more toward meditation again, and I would do more like 20 minutes a day where I would sit and I would have my meditation practice. So I don't, that's kind of how it evolved. Now I'm down some classes. So I feel like, you know, better about it. And I'll take a class before my classes at one of the honor yoga studios. I'll pop into a class and take a flow class before I teach my own. Cause even though I teach classes, a lot of classes and I do most of them, it's still nice to try to turn off and to just take instruction from a teacher though. It's hard because I'll just be doing my own thing. I'll be like, Oh, what did she say? Like <laughs> I have to go back to listening, you know, and yeah. being a good listener. So, yeah, I'm hearing you say throughout that, you know, you're open to being the student and there's, you're always in some sort of studentship, which is something that I've been able to know from you from the very start of meeting you. And it's a super redeeming quality. And I think it makes for a great teacher of any discipline. Speaking of teacher and teaching and all this teaching that you do and teach, 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 how did you 
get to training? Like, how did you become a teacher? Tell us about that teacher training, how that entered your life. Yeah. So I told you in the beginning, I started taking classes with Delia quickly. And then after I think it was like two years, I was like, I really want to do their teacher training program. And she said, well, you kind of need a little bit more experience, but you have been consistent in these two years that you took like three or four classes a week. So let's try it out. Usually we want you to have more experience as a student. And so anyway, so they let me sign up for teacher training and do it. And I told them, well, it's okay because I'm never going to teach. I don't want to teach a class. I just want to go and I want to do this for me. And I want to learn more about yoga, yoga philosophy, all of all that, but I don't want to teach. I specifically said to them, I was like, I don't want to teach ever. I don't want to do the practicums. I don't want to stand up and do any of the practice teaching when we're in teacher training. I don't want to blah, blah, blah. And they said, well, you can't not teach because this is their program. So they're going to then certify me at the end to be a teacher. Right. And so then their name is on my certification. So they said, you have to go through the program. You have to go through the steps. And I don't know, maybe they would have let someone else go and I'm not sure, but I always say like, they might've just saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And I know, so as Delia Quigley and Denise Kay, they were business partners in doing the teacher training. And Denise Kay had said that to me. She's like, yeah, we just kind of saw something and we wanted to push you to do the whole program and not, not just kind of audit it, if you will. Yeah. Why didn't you want to teach? So I'm like the shyest person on earth. (laughs) (laughs) Doing this podcast was a big deal too. So (laughs) Thank Um, you for being here. (laughs) You're welcome. So I like to be like, like even in class, like in, you know, a yoga class, I go to the back corner. I like hide. I just want to go in, take the class and leave. I don't ever want to be center of attention anywhere. Like even at a table when you have like, I don't know, a dinner table with people, with family, with people I know, I just am quiet. I observe and listen, but I'm never the one to speak up because once all those eyes turn on me, I'm like, I just really don't like that. I'm like super shy. So I never thought that I would really be, I didn't think I would really excel or be the right fit to be a teacher, frankly. Right. Thank you for sharing that. First of all, I felt probably a lot of the same in the beginning parts of my training in the early years of my teaching. So that's what I wanted to ask you next is just how did you feel then when you did teach in those, you know, either in training or in the, in the early years of you teaching? What was that like? So in training, the first time I was asked to like stand up in front of everyone, I like literally started tearing up. There was no, and I feel like sometimes it has to do with the chakras too. And my throat chakra, maybe a block or not being able to speak up ever since I was younger, I was always really shy. I don't remember crying, but I started tearing up, like watering, my eyes were watering and I don't even know if I finished. I kind of, kind of blacked out. (laughs) Um, So I don't know if I finished the first time I stood up, but then after that, like teaching in front of our group that we had for teacher training, because everyone, our group was semi-difficult sometimes, but I think all groups have a different dynamic, Um, but they were all really supportive too. And so after a while, you kind of get comfortable in the group. And of course, to complete the teacher training, we had to do an hour class at the end of teacher, like a full hour. And so I practiced, I practiced with one of the 
uh, other students in the teacher training. And we were, I was at her house at like 9 PM at night. And cause she had kids, she put them to bed. We would do our practice, you know, teach each other. So practice so much to do this one class at the end of teacher training. I had my mom there. I don't think my dad came, my friend, my best friend at the time who I had asked about teacher training. I was like, should I do it? Shouldn't I? And he said to me, what are you going to do that for? Like, you don't need to do that. And it's so funny because after when I did my class at the end of teacher training, he said, that was awesome. Like, I'm so glad you did it. And he knows I'm a shy person and he, maybe he just didn't see me moving into that role as easily. And not that it was easy by any means, but how I, you know, ended up presenting myself at the end of teacher training for the final, you know, class that we did. That's such a beautiful story. <laughs> Thanks, Gina. So vulnerable and intimate. And I hope people um, relate. Tell us a little bit about what you feel challenges you now in the practice of yoga. This may be postural based, it may be more philosophical for you. But what do you feel is a regular or something that you're working with now, right? Like, I think we say as teachers, uh, at least I know I do, like when I'm teaching something, it's usually something I'm working on, right? So it may be the art of balance and that sort of physical element. It may be a deeper backbend or something to do with any anything that's challenging me physically. And then also if I'm talking about any kind of philosophy, this is to everyone. <laughs> it's because I'm working on that, right? Like I'm teaching it to myself as I teach mm-hmm. it verbally to others. How about for you, anything resonating with you or anything that continually kind of like pops up or is an ongoing theme for you? I think there are a couple things. So in both aspects for the postural part of it, I've always had a challenging relationship. I don't know with handstands. I loved arm balances from the beginning. So like some of the first classes and, you know, I'm sure students know too, like you take the class that fits in your schedule. It doesn't matter if it's a gentle class. It doesn't matter if it's like a power flow. So lo and behold, I get into like a power flow type of, you know, really strong class and Delia quickly said, well, you know, you're young, you can do it, do what you can see how it feels. This isn't like a beginner class. Cause I, you know, she's like, you just started, but just come see what happens. The first class we had um, Ekapada Kundinyasana 2 or flying split that we did. And like no one could do it in class. And I used to be a dancer too. So maybe that's why, but I like loved arm balances since that class. Cause I could go right into it. And everyone's like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> but then in that same class, they did like, I think they did handstands and I'm like hopping, trying to get into a handstand. Like it was not happening, but anyway, so handstands have been like just very challenging for me from the beginning. And from that class in the handstands, I progressed. I can like hop up into it really quickly if there's a wall, because I like the wall there, because it's so comforting to have that like there and know that you can bring your feet to it. Or even if it's there, like a lot of times I don't use it, but if it, the wall is not there, I can't get into it because it's in my head that I'm just going to like flip all the way over or something like that. I don't know. 
but I can have the wall right near me or like a foot away and never touch it and like get in a handstand and stay in the handstand and like be great and wonderful, but take that wall away. And like, it's nowhere to be seen. So that's always been a challenge for me is trying to move away from the wall um, and get into a handstand because I'm always so afraid of what's going to happen if it's not there. Like how, I don't know, like, obviously I know I have the strength and can get into it because I can do it, but not without some training wheels, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. I can relate to that. I'm, I'm a wall person. (laughs) I like the, I just like it. I just can't, I don't know. Um, And then on the other hand for philosophically, I think what I'm really trying to grasp and I do um, a philosophy circle on Sundays with a small group of ladies and it's just this, it's free, but um, anyone can come, but we just sit and we talk about a sutra every week and we read it and we say, well, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to someone else? What does the book say? Because there's always a commentary that tries to explain it a little better. But one of the things I really am trying to bring about in my life is trying to like unattach from things like people or feelings or situations. And I think sometimes that can be really challenging because it's like, well, why do we move through this world? Like what what's the point if we don't have, like, if you have someone you love, well, if you love them, can how can you love them without being like attached to them? But what does that mean then? I, I don't know. So it's kind of hard for me to explain, but that's one of the things that I'm trying to like think about and work through. Cause like, I've been getting rid of so much in my house because I'm just like, I don't need all these things. Why do I have I don't know, over 50 cups. And I'm the only one that lives in my house. (laughs) I don't need 50 cups. And like, I don't even love the designs on the cups. They're not like pretty cups. They were just from Ikea or something, but I had like 50 of them. And I was like, okay, let's get rid of cups. Or I know I'm sure a lot of people can relate to water bottles. Like, does anyone have like 5,000 water bottles with different like companies on them or whatever? Get, so I just got rid of all these water bottles. I really love purses. So like, it's just like trying to clear out what I don't need, like how to be more simple and like what I have and trying not to attach to, I attach to clothes too, for like no reason. They don't even look right on me, but like, I can't get rid of it because I don't know. I got it this time because of this. I don't know. Those are some things that, I don't know, examples of what I'm trying to do. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you. Do you feel that the practice of removing some of these physical things, acknowledging that you have the physical things and then mindfully and skillfully deciding like, this is what I need. This is what, do you feel that translates then to what you started to say about like the emotional as a reminder, maybe to the emotional? I feel like I always do a lot of work that such a sensitive person, like I'm tearing up now. for like no reason, but I'm a really sensitive person. And I just feel like if I can like try to unattach from the things that like, if something were to pull me away from like, I don't know, people I really love or not really things I'm, I'm not so attached to everything, like the material things that I have, but I feel like it's more people that like I'm attached to the relationship, friendship, whatever with people that I have um, in my life. So that's where I'm trying to be like, if those people were to go away, not that I want them to, that I wouldn't be so upset about it. Like that I can, I can kind of draw the line between them being there for a reason and them having to leave. 
for whatever reason. Like there, I feel like people come in and out of your life at the right times, or you hope so. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful, Gina. What advice do you have for the new student and or the new teacher? Well, one of the things that I always tell my teacher trainees, and just like I told you my story, is that if you think you're never going to teach, always kind of give it, not give it a try, but if you have that opportunity and something tells you like, just do it, then try it out. And you can always not do it. You know, you can try it once, you know, they say like try food once or whatever. (laughs) Um, And, and then you can just never do it again. But I think part of the reason why I started teaching is because my cousin, uh, Megan, she worked for the ARC, which is um, an organization that helps the disabled, that they're usually adult communities. They also serve younger adults and children too, in a different portion of that, but they have different programs. They have, uh, you know, like the Olympics, special Olympics, they have exercise programs and part and different events. So part of it was she's that she was kind of like the event person for that company, for that organization. And she asked me, Oh, um, we'd love to bring in yoga. I think they had like jazzercise and she's like, we have to come into this century (laughs) updated a little bit. And so they were like, we'd love to have yoga. And it was before I got my certification and I was like, okay, I'll do one class. It was a free class for them. And for me, like I just gave my time and I taught at their camp in the summer. It was challenging to teach your first class for one and also to teach uh, this community because I was a new teacher too. And they loved it. I, I liked it. I was still like in between, but I loved it because of the experience that they had. I was just more challenged because of, you know, me wanting to be in front of a group to teach. Um, And then she asked me back every month, once a month to teach their uh, exercise program for the year. And I was like, okay, it's just once a month I'll, I'll teach, you know? And then from there, of course, you got other opportunities and I found other opportunities and it just like grew, even though I never wanted to teach. But my point is that just saying yes to that one opportunity opened maybe my perspective and my eyes to really what my teaching could do for others. And I think that's really where my wanting to teach came into because I really wanted to share how I felt, what it did for me in a way and how it could potentially change someone else's life. So that's my advice for anyone who's becoming a teacher or may, or may want to even just do teacher training for themselves is um, try to be open to to actually teaching, even if that's not their plan. Because a lot of the teachers in my teacher trainings that I've taught in the beginning, because I always ask who wants to teach, who actually wants to teach, because that you don't have to come into it teaching or wanting to teach. And like usually over half is like, hmm, no, I don't want to teach. And then today, one of the teachers in my first teacher training with Honor Yoga, uh, she teaches a class, two classes at our Honor Yoga Washington studio. And she was one of the ones who's like, I don't want to teach. No way. So that's always eye opening <laughs> for them. <too. laughs> I was one of the ones too. There's a lot of us out there. right? I don't want to teach. No way. <laughs> This has been a really beautiful, insightful conversation, Gina. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Again, this is going to drop on December 8th. We're super excited that you're 
teaching a teacher training coming up in January. This is an online teacher training. If anyone's interested, you can email me, julie at honoryoga.com, and I can put you in contact with Gina, get to know her a little bit more. And yeah, she can answer questions and also take a class with her. Gina, when do you teach on the live stream schedule? On Saturday morning and... Yes, I teach on Saturday morning, the root class at 10.30, and then this is yoga on Thursday nights at 6.30. Awesome. Thanks again, Gina. Have a great day. Thank you.